actually glad he didn't walk away. Amen. <clears throat> John said I was the guest speaker and you saw me get up and you all went, oh. <sighs> Disappointment. That's okay. I'm here. And we're going to turn our Bibles to Luke 17 tonight. Luke 17. We're going to have a look at some very simple thoughts tonight and I won't keep you long. We'll just keep it to the point, hopefully, and Lord will bless, I hope, I pray. We're going to read Luke 17 verses 11 to 19. And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks, and he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Arise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. I'm going to pray and then we'll get into it. Lord, we're thankful for the opportunity to be in church tonight. Thank you for those uh, few that have come out and I pray that Lord, um, through the word of God tonight, there might be something for them. I pray that you would minister and help and encourage. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. I got to preach this a few weeks back up on the Sunshine Coast, so uh, I know there was a couple of people maybe there on that day, so please forgive me, you don't get to hear it twice. Um, but uh, it's the truth and it, it's in the Word of God, so we're going to have a look at it. If I was to ask you today what would be your top three things that you would like to experience as, as a Christian, I wonder what that would be. So if you could list three things. Um, for me personally, I would like to experience acceptance of God. Okay, that's one of the things I'd like, to ex- I'd like to experience. Today, that is one of the big things that people all around the world are looking for is acceptance. I know in, uh, it was Pastor Lloyd that kind of, I guess, noted it for me. That is one of the big things for me. I, um, if I'm not accepted, I, it, it, it really does my head in. Like if people are angry with me or people are upset with me, it's really hard to handle. So acceptance is one of those things, but acceptance from God would be ultra great, you know, to know that I'm accepted. And we know in the Bible, if you're a Christian, you are accepted of God. But that's one of those things in my top three. What about um, joy? Experience Christian joy. Okay, knowing I'm saved, knowing that God's in control, knowing I've got a home in heaven, joy. And then thirdly, experiencing God's power would be awesome. To actually... Uh, have God do something either with me or through me or in my life and the only thing I could say is that's God's power would be amazing and I believe God does do that today. Now for the average Christian experiencing the power of God is something that we all would like to experience I think we would all want. Now God's power can be all uh, can be seen all throughout the Bible right if, if you were to uh, there'll be a whole list and I've just got a couple that I thought about, um, especially in the New Testament with, um, with Jesus. What about the time 
when Jesus was in the boat and he was asleep and a great storm came up and the disciples were, were fearful that they were going to sink and, and they found Jesus and they said, Master, you know, why are you sleeping? Don't you care? And he goes up on the deck and, and, and speaks the words, we, we all know, peace be still. And the Bible says that the storm was ceased and everything was calm and God, through Jesus, showed great power. What about when Jesus walked on the water? Can you imagine what that would have been like to see that? Jesus' power walking on the water. What about if you were to partake, if you were there on that day when Jesus fed 5,000 and uh, as, as Jesus was breaking the loaves of bread and the fishes and, 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 the, uh, and the disciples were handing them out and it just kept coming and coming and coming and you were, especially if you're at the front near where everything was, was being distributed, you would probably think, wow, this is amazing. I got to see God's power. What about when Jesus healed the sick? Many times Jesus healed people who were sick with infirmity or had, or had ailments and, and uh, where, where doctors couldn't treat, but Jesus could, shows great power. And what about when Jesus raised people from the dead? Imagine seeing that. I wouldn't want to smell that, but can, can you imagine being there when Jesus raised someone from the dead? Great power. Now, the list could go on and on and on. But what can we learn about experiencing God's power? Now, we read Luke 17, and we can see in our passage there was a leper, or uh, there were 10 men who got to experience firsthand God's power, but there was one in particular that we will look at tonight. And I just wanted to just list some things to consider through this passage. All right, just some things that we can glean, things that we can learn, things that we can ponder about God's power. Firstly, Power is available for everybody. Power is available for all. In verse 11 it says, And it came to pass as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Jesus passed through Samaria, even though the Jews and Samaritans didn't mix. All right, It was Jesus' plan to go through Samaria all along. Did you know that Jesus was never biased by nationality or religion? Jesus wasn't biased. He didn't choose only those who he thought were good enough for him to meet. That wasn't part of his, his vocabulary or part of his thinking or part of his teaching. No matter who it was, even if the Jews and the Samaritans didn't mix, Jesus thought it was good enough to go through this place and meet these people and show his great power. I wonder if we are biased by nationality or religion. Have you ever thought, I wonder if, have you ever thought to yourself how often God might use or might work through a different religion other than just Baptist? Some of you might, no way, that would never happen. God can use anybody. God, God can show great power to anybody or through anybody. There are a lot of people out in our world today who, who believe that, that Jesus is the Son of God and have had him as their personal saviour and I believe God can show power through anyone, no matter what nationality, what country, or I won't say every religion, but through those who profess to be Christians, I believe Christ can. He didn't see any difference in, in these people's nationality. Jesus was never biased by geography. 
There was no land that was too poor or there was no land that was too great. There was no land that was too far that Jesus wouldn't visit and show power to. And I think we have to have the same thought as well. Would you travel anywhere to tell others about Jesus? Would you go to places where maybe it's not desirable? Put your hand up if you'd like to go to Hawaii to witness. Maldives, Bora Bora, Afghanistan. Hmm, wonder how many people would be willing to go if God said, I want you to go to places we don't find desirable because of either where they are, it's too hot or it's too cold or it's whatever it is or there's sickness there, there's disease there, the people aren't friendly there in that geography, in that location around the world. But you'll find that with Jesus, he was never biased by places or geography. If he had to go through a certain place where others wouldn't, he would do that. And Jesus was willing to do that to show his great power. And then as we notice through the story, Jesus was never biased by those who were medically challenged or socially challenged. We do notice that as you read through this passage, he stopped and helped ten letters. Ten lepers, not ten letters. Ten lepers, all right? And we should be willing to help and to, and to, and to witness and to be around those who may not be, uh, may be as socially well-off as us or medically well-off as us. We need to be willing to do that. So power, first thing I want you to notice within this passage, because Jesus went through, on his way to Jerusalem, he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Right, everyone that was there, um, no matter who they were, his God's power is available for them. Second thing I want you to notice is that power is available for the asking. We mentioned that Jesus stopped and talked to ten, le- ten lepers, verse twelve. And now I'm going to I'm going to not say the word leper again because it's going to come out wrong every time. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men who were which stood far off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. The first thing I want you to know is the seeking lepers. All right, the seeking lepers. Entered into a certain village that met him 10 men that were lepers. First thing I want you to notice is these guys uh, had something wrong with them that uh, whether they were born with it or whether they had contracted it from someone else, it looked like life had dealt them a really bad hand, okay? If you had leprosy, it wasn't something that you went, oh, just can't wait this weekend to get out of the leper colony. I want to get some leprosy, all right? It's not the sort of thing that you desired to have. And if you did get it, it was like your life was pretty much over socially, uh, physically, um, economically. It wasn't something that you wanted. And for these men, they could have thought, man, my life is bad. My life is, 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 has been ruined by this leprosy. And we notice in, in verse, um, verse 12, there were 10 of them. So it wasn't just one guy. There was a whole group of them. And you'll find that maybe they found solace. Maybe they found a little bit of community amongst themselves because there was more than one. If you're a leper and you're on your own, I think you know, life would be pretty um, lonely. 
life would be very dull, life would be very boring. Um, maybe you like being on your own. Sometimes I like my solitude, but sometimes, sometimes, sometimes I like the fellowship of other people. I like to chat, I like to see what's going on, I like to have a conversation, I like to do different things. But these men, because of the leprosy, life had dealt them a bad hand. They'd found others with a common mindset and maybe they thought if they got together, maybe there was safety in numbers. Maybe, maybe when they went out to beg, maybe they thought if there's a group of us, maybe people will, will feel sorry for us, maybe people will, will actually give us something and they got together. They found themselves ten men seeking something, looking for something. But then when Jesus comes along, interestingly enough, it says there in, in verse, at the end of verse 12, they stood afar off. They, they kept their distance. Now, if you're a leper, you weren't allowed to mix with other people. You had to be separated. And often people lived in their own leper colonies. You weren't allowed to mix while you had leprosy. And so I guess maybe they knew the law, maybe they knew the rules, Jesus was there, so they stood afar off. But notice they didn't just stand there and think, I wonder if this man could give me something. They had to ask. They had to seek. They had to call out. They called out and, they, and notice what they said. They said, Jesus, in, in verse 13, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Now, they knew their physical condition. I don't know whether or not they really understood who Jesus was. I don't know whether or not they, they were asking for anything else other than some physical help, maybe some money. Maybe they thought Jesus could give them something, some food, or whatever it was, they had to ask, and, and, and that's what they did. They all stood there and they said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. <coughs> Excuse me. So we see the seeking lepers, they're calling out. Then I want you to notice the saving Lord. There's a recognition of who Jesus really is. Jesus, Master. They, they give him a title. They give him a little bit of reverence. And I want to encourage you this, this evening that when you have something that you need and, and, and whether you want to experience God's power or you just want to ask God something, firstly, you need to understand you've got to ask. As a Christian, you've got to ask, God, I've got need of something. I've got need some help. <clears throat> My family's going through some, a, a bit of a valley at the moment with regards to health and so forth. And I ask God, I say, God, we need your help. You're the only one that can help. The doctors don't seem to know exactly what's going on. So God, we need your help. We're going to ask. If we don't ask, we don't get. If you're hungry, children, if you're hungry, what do you do? Mum, Dad, can I have something to eat? You've got to ask. Usually you ask. Unless you're that modern, progressive family, you just go and help yourself. But normally, normally when I was a child... I asked for one biscuit and then I took two and <laughs> put the lid on and one in the pocket, one in the hand. That's how you did it in them days. But you had to ask, otherwise I didn't get anything. And as Christians, we need to make sure we ask. But 
I want you to think as well, when we ask, we've got to remember who God is. Master. Lord. He's God. We're not just asking flippantly the guy down the road, but we're asking God because he is God and we're expecting to receive something. Do you think these guys just said just willy-nilly, Jesus, give us something and just walked off and thinking, well, it's just something we do every day. It's, it's just a routine. Do you think our prayer is just sometimes becomes routine? But when they asked, they were expecting to receive something. And when you ask of God for something, you should expect God to answer. Now, now the way God answers is up to him, but we accept that and we, we expect it and then we accept it. But these men, they stood afar off, they cried out and said, Lord, have mercy upon us. We've got to ask. There was recognition of, hey, this guy may be somebody that is worth asking and we know he's master, he's Lord, he's able to help. And then they did expect to receive something from Jesus. Now, possibly a physical thing, but we expect to receive something of our Lord. So power is available for all. Power is available for the asking. And that's, that's the first thing for us I think we need to understand. We need to ask. God's power is available for each one of us tonight, but it's there for the asking. And God's made it very clear and very easy for us to ask. He doesn't get us to jump through lots of hoops. He doesn't put a lot of expectations on us. He just says, you have not because you ask not. And often we have not because when we do ask, we often ask amiss, that we can, that we can consume it upon our own lusts. Often we ask with the wrong motive or the wrong desire. I want, I want, I want, I want. But where it should be God, I have this need. If it's what you want for me, then please grant it. Lay it before God and it's available for everyone. Now the third thing, and this is where I guess the whole message kind of comes from, is, is this next thought. Power is available from action. Power is available from action. We get to now Jesus. We've seen the ten lepers. We've seen them call out. We've seen them ask for mercy, <clears throat> expecting really to receive something. And then notice in verse 14, we go to verse 14. And when he saw them, he said unto them, go show yourselves unto the priests. Go show yourselves unto the priests. We'll leave it there just for a second. First thing that says there, when he saw them. The first thing that we see about Jesus is that he saw them. He gazed upon them. He, he obviously heard what they said, but maybe, maybe as he was walking, they said, hey, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. Maybe he turned and he said, Who's, maybe he's thinking, who was saying that? And he saw these 10 guys and he gazed upon them. And maybe something, their plight, maybe their need, maybe the tone of their voice, and obviously because Jesus is God, knowing all men's hearts, knowing that these men need more than just physical healing, they need the Saviour. Jesus gazed upon them. He says, verse 14, when he saw them, Jesus sees everybody's real need. You know, every single morning, you think about this, I'm making it very simplistic. When you get up, Jesus sees you. Jesus sees your real need. 
Jesus sees the struggle that you're having. Jesus sees the sin that we all do. Jesus sees the attitude and the discouragement and the the rebelliousness of our hearts. Jesus sees it all. Jesus sees the real you over and above often the outward facade that we put out for everyone else. Jesus can break through the fine dress, the slick back hair or the no hair, whichever one you've got. Jesus looks past all of that and sees the real you. And that's what he saw in these 10 men. He saw the real them. I like, as you read through the Gospels, when Jesus looked at people, he often, the Bible says, and he had compassion upon them. When he saw them with compassion, excuse me, (coughs) he saw or he had compassion on them, sees exactly what's going on in their life. And I'm glad that I can't hide from Jesus, even when I try to. Even when I try and hide things under the carpet from him and think you'll never know. I know in my I know in my deep conscience that he does know. He does see, he does hear, he watches everything. But Jesus saw them. Now, now the thing is in the middle of verse 14, this is what he tells them, and this is really remarkable. Go show yourselves unto the priests. Very strange indeed. Because this is the sort of thing that would happen after you've been cleansed, after the leprosy, let's say there was a cure for leprosy or there was a medication or there was a treatment and that had been applied and you had drank the potion or you'd put the ointment on or you'd had bandage for a certain period of time and even if the doctor medically had said, hey, you're good to go, you need to go and then go and show yourself to the priest. But notice what Jesus had said, You've got leprosy, and he says, go and show yourself to the priests, which would indicate, I'm sure they were confused. We're not so allowed to go to show ourselves to the priests until the leprosy's dealt with. That's why we're talking to you. That's why we're asking. Remarkably, Jesus needed them to do an action. Jesus said, go. Go and show yourself unto the priests. Now, I wonder what would happen if they would have thought, this guy's bonkers. We're not allowed to go to the see, see the priest until we're cleansed. And he wants us to go. That makes no sense. Forget it. Hey, next person. Hey, hey, Joe Blow, have mercy on us. Please give us something. If they hadn't have went, they probably wouldn't have been cleansed. Because notice what it says in verse 14. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. Simple task, go and do something. And when they obeyed, when they followed the command of Jesus to go and show themselves unto the priest, as they went, they had to put the feet into motion and head towards the direction of the priest. And lo and behold, as they went, they were cleansed. Very, very interesting. Very, very powerful because when we're asking God for something, We're asking for God's power. We're asking for God's help. We're asking for God's blessing. We're asking for God to do something with our church or with us individually. Often it's Jesus that tells us that we've got to go and do something first. And then when we obey, it's like we're expecting God just to do it for us. And he might say, you need to go and do something first. Now, it may grate with our inward man, 
We may not like to do what Jesus says. We may find that very humbling. We might find that something that we just don't want to do. And sometimes until we go and do it, we're not going to get the answer that we're looking for. It seems like when Jesus gives a command or an, or, or, or a, or an action to follow, it seems like when that is done, that's when the miracle happens. If you want a miracle in your life, you need to listen to what Jesus says and then go and do what he says. We often fail to act when Jesus says go. For example, and now I'm guilty for most of these myself, so don't worry. When Jesus says go and tell others, yet we often remain silent. Jesus often says go and forgive your brother when he's trespassed against you or when, he's, when there's aught with your brother. And yet, we hold a grudge. Okay, I'm guilty of that. Jesus says, go love your enemies. Yet, <clears throat> we still go and post on Facebook. Sometimes I hate Facebook. Sometimes I hate reading other people's posts. Just want to slap the side of my phone with their face on it, slap the side of the head. Jesus says, go and be a servant, yet we only serve ourselves. There's another verse where I know where Jesus says, go, and that's in Mark 16, 15, 16, where it talks about, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That's another command that we're supposed to go. And yet for so many, and myself included, we just don't. We expect God to do something with us. If I was there, if I was to ask the church, do you want God to use you? I'm pretty sure because of we're in church, most people would put up their hand. You want God to use you? Yeah, that's me. I want God to use me. When Jesus says, gives you an action, go. Simply just go and do something. Now, for you, it might be different for me. Now, I was very generalizing some things here. <coughs> But God might show you there's something he wants you to do that is different for everyone else. There are some collective things he says for the church and for Christians to do, but there might be some things that you're praying about that's only specific to you and your needs. And God might say, I want you to go and do something and you might resist and think, that is the weirdest thing I've ever heard. Why would God want me to do that? And sometimes we just get confused. We get confused in the moment. We get confused with our circumstances and what's happening. It could be sickness. It could be debt. It could be whatever it is. And we're looking in our limited vision, this is what I want God to do for me. And God says, well, I want you to go and do this over here. And you're like, no, wait, I want this. And God says, till you do this, and as we went and did that, all of a sudden, <gasps> that thing we were asking for has been done. We didn't even realise. So these men were very confused. And, and as I was reading this just a while back, he got me and I thought, wow, that, that's amazing. There's an action needed. God said, go. And when they went, they were cleansed. Amazing. Amazing. Now, the last thing I want to mention is that power is available from adoration. Power is available from adoration. I want to now talk about this one guy who did come back. 
let's read on from verse 15. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, so the ten guys are walking off, they've all realised they're healed, and it says one of them, when he realised he was healed, turned back. And with a loud voice, firstly glorified God, woo, praise God, and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. Remember, the Samaritans and the, the Samaritans and the Jews didn't get on. The Jews saw the Samaritans as second class, lower class. They, they had mixed their religion with, with other religions and they weren't true. So they were nothing. And they didn't care if, they, if it was reciprocated to feelings. So when the Samaritan came back and glorified God and fell down at a Jew's feet, <coughs> excuse me, fell down at Jesus' feet being a Jew and gave him thanks, man, something had really taken place in this guy's life. One man's thankfulness ends up resulting in a deeper healing. When, God's, when God does something for you, what is your reaction to it? God, I need this health thing fixed. God says, go and whatever it is. So we go and do it and all of a sudden we realise our health condition has improved and you're thinking, man, wow, how did, how did that happen? And we, maybe we realise, hey, we, I did pray about it and God's answered it. Great. Go on with my day. Now we can do that and I'm sure God's not going to beat us around the head. But I wonder if we stopped and said, God, I'm thankful. God, you're a great God. I prayed about it. I obeyed you. You did the miraculous. You answered the prayer. You, you blessed me. You encouraged me. And you praised God for it. And you fell down at his feet and you said, thank you for what you've done for me. I wonder, I wonder if you'll end up like this man. It says in verse 19, it said, and he said unto him, arise, Go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. To me, as I read this, this man received his physical healing just like the other nine. But in this case, because he came back, Jesus says, Arise, thy faith hath made thee whole. He didn't say that to anyone else, but to this one man. So to me, this man got a deeper healing. I believe he got salvation. God saved him. Because he came back, recognised, worshipped him, glorified God, fell down at his feet and was thankful. And I wonder when God does something for you, if we would just have a thankful heart and we glorify God for it and we don't take the credit for ourselves but we give the credit to God, I wonder if God would be willing to do something even extra. He doesn't have to. But in this passage, there's like a, for me, a little pattern there. But if we were to do that, I wonder if God might do even more for you, through you, and with you. The others obviously received something from God, but there was only one that seemed to get that extra, that your faith has made you whole. Not just physically, but in every way. That's the sort of power I want to experience. That's the sort of 
not just the physical things that God can give us as Christians, and God wants to give you a lot of belief, but to experience whether it's, here's the other two combined, remember I mentioned acceptance and joy. As I experience God's power, I guarantee if, if I'm thankful for it and if I praise God for it and give God the glory, I believe there will be some great joy. I think my joy has just deepened a little bit. I think I'm, I'm now experiencing God's power because he's, he's answered or he's, whatever it is, God's answered that. And now I've come back and I've said, thank you, God, and I've glorified God for it. And all of a sudden, for me, I believe, to me, that would be a deeper joy. Wow. Entering into something a bit different, something a bit deeper with God. And then obviously, then I really feel accepted by God. I think we as Christians, sometimes we live powerless lives because we fail to see what God is doing around us. and We fail to listen to what God tells us to do. <clears throat> we miss the actions that he asks of us and we miss seeing the miracles that God wants to perform. Do you still believe in miracles? We may not see people walking on water. We may not see people rising from the dead. But we can see people being saved. That's a miracle. We can see Christians who were once in sin turn from their sin back to God. That's a miracle. We can see God use a bunch of, a couple of hundred people and do something within Brisbane. That's a miracle. God can do so much. And yet we're limited to our little tiny worldview of my job, my children, my wife, my car, my house, and, and my church. That's, that's what we're, often that's our limitation. And we often pray accordingly within those realms. My children, my wife, my, my job, my car, my house, whatever it is, that's it. And so often we, we limit God because we are, because we're so limited ourselves. And yet I believe God may want to use us greater if we just firstly ask, believe, obey, thank him and watch what God might do. So that's all I've got for you tonight. I thought it would be very, hopefully was, was, was quick enough for you. Andrew went so long this morning I thought I'd just uh, shorten it down for you. Aren't you glad? All right. Pastor's back next week, and uh, I'm sure you'll be thankful for that. All right. Thanks, John. Appreciate it.